0: It's your past first Point Garden Trail Blazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen, coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday, so make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's locked on Blazers, your team, every day. And today's episode is a good old-fashioned mailbag answering listeners submitted questions all episode long. If you want to ask me a question for the show, the best way to do that is to email the only only way to do that. If you have my phone number, actually, you could text me. One of these questions came via text message. But the best way to do that is email me, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. The question, or the email, one more time for you, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. That is the way to get in touch with me. Uh, We're going to answer questions about... Prioritizing Malcolm Brogdon over Anthony Simons. Uh, three things to watch in the final third of the Blazers season. The final 28 games of the year. And the Blazers tanking TV ratings. And who's to, who shall we blame? Uh, the answer is obvious. It's everyone. Spoiler alert. Um, let, let's start with the first one. Though we'll, We will cruise through them. Uh, this first question comes from Garth. Garth didn't really ask this question. But Garth asked a question about prioritizing Malcolm Brogdon over potentially Anthony Simons, or excuse me, about prioritizing trading Anthony Simons, uh, and the implication was that the Blazers would choose Malcolm over Brogdon Garth. Thanks for the question. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for the implication because uh, it helped spur this sort of line of thinking. I appreciate it. So the the sort of general idea context here, and I think this is this is pretty simple. I think. Um, it, most of mo, most folks who follow the team kind of agree with the basic logic of this. They kind of have a logjam at guard. Um, they just have they have if everybody's healthy, if, if Scoot Henderson's healthy and Shane Sharp's healthy and Avery Simon's healthy and Malcolm Brogdon's healthy, they have too many players and too many talented players who need to play playing guard playing the guard spot or being guard sized, and then they end up either having to play smaller lineups or pinching young players and like having young guys lose their minutes. And in year one, it's kind of that's more palatable for for Scoot and to have that happen to him. It's not really, it's not really just like a path that makes much sense in year two. So, um going into next season one way or another they need to clean up the guard room such that there are you need depth right you need four or five guards that can play but but realistically you would like three guards that absolutely have to play a fourth guard that can play when needed on any given night and then a fifth emergency guard that would be a that'd be an ideal lineup you don't need four guards who, who need 30 minutes that's that's where you get the log jam and that's where it's been when when they've had four healthy guards that's been an issue three totally reasonable not a problem so it's it's kind of a pick your three you're going to keep the two young guys it doesn't make sense in a rebuild to not prioritize Scoot and and, um, and Shane Sharp. you Scoot, Anderson, Shane Sharp, they're a lock. I have long been a proponent that the Blazers need to trade Malcolm Brogdon. I was saying it back in probably November <laughs> that they needed to trade him at the trade deadline. They chose not to probably because the market wasn't very good or maybe because they really don't want to. Um, either way, they chose not to at the trade deadline. He's still on the roster. Anthony Simons is still on the roster. What Garth supposes, and I talked about in a previous episode trading Malcolm Brogdon, I've talked about a million times, but what what listener Garth supposes is that what if they trade Henry Simons instead? What if they trade Henry Simons instead? Um, it's not what I would do, but I think the logic on its face is totally fine. And let's walk through the logic because I don't, I, I I think this is, I've heard this or seen this other places, mostly, mostly read it online. Um, shout out to the good people getting angry on r slash rip city, but like I, I mostly read it, um, and, and heard some, heard some friends kind of float the idea, but I, it's not the path I would pursue, but it's a logic that I think is worth teasing out. So here's why you would do it. Here's why you would do it. One is Malcolm Brogdon is potentially a better f- better fit, quote-unquote, with Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp because Malcolm Brogdon is uh, comfortable off the ball. He's been really good as a catch-and-shoot-off ball shooter. He's a better defender, so playing him next to... Either of those two young guards, you don't get the like super minus on defense that Simon's has been throughout his whole career, and particularly this year he's been really bad as well. Um, Like you don't you don't have Brogdon is merely just like an an average, slightly below average, slightly above average. He's probably for me like slightly below below average on defense, but he's fine. Um, He's not like a sieve. He's just he's 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 pretty competitive there, and he's he's solid on offense. You you get that right. You get that baseline of of someone who could take who could take a back seat. He's been a sixth man. He's a little bit older. He might be comfortable in that role. He's got some veteran sort of. He's he stepped into a leadership role this year on the team, and you and you value that, and he can play off of Simons, right, or play off of the two guards in a way that Simons is like he's more of an on-ball guy. The best version of Amari Simons has the ball in his hands. The best version of him, um, you know, he's he's, he's his value comes from his offense because he's a bad defensive player. I I, I want to be clear. I think Amari Simons is a lot better than Malcolm Brogdon, and I I really don't think that's very debatable. I'm sure you could find someone to debate it with you. <laughs> that's the thing about opinions. You can always find someone to debate it with you, but I don't think that's controversial or close. Like he's seven years younger and he's way better on offense. And I don't think Broggs is enough better on defense to make it that much of a trade-off. But if you do whatever, um, but 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 the other argument for why you would keep Brogdon over Ant is precisely because Anthony Simons is better and because in theory you could the the packages out there for Brogdon are somewhat over, underwhelming and they maybe don't upgrade the team and maybe you don't even it's like a uh, protected first round pick and salary filler is not exactly what the Blazers are after they need players that continue to help the process and, and the way that you get players that continue to help the process is trade away some good players and take risks so why you would prioritize trading Anthony Simons and keeping Malcolm Brogdon is because precisely because Anfrey Simons is better at basketball than Malcolm Brogdon, and you could, in theory, get a better trade package in return that would help you move forward, and what you would sacrifice is some sort of overall talent, but maybe the fit would be better moving forward. I think that is logic. That is fair. It relies on some stuff that might not be true, but I think the logic in and of itself is fair and reasonable. The cha- and I don't I, I'm not going to say that I, I pretend to like have a deep grasp on what emphre Simon's trade value is. Um, it's I would assume that it is not particularly high in in large part because I don't think his archetype, combo guards that can't defend are in particular demand. Um, Like guys who are not quite point guards but are not big enough to play full-time two-guard who don't really defend at a high level and aren't elite playmakers. It's just not what NBA teams are after. It is not. If they were, Tyler Hero would no longer be on the Heat. The Heat have been trying to turn Tyler Hero into a star for three years and they failed because that archetype of player is just not in high demand. You know, Jordan Poole is a different thing because he's like had problems at you know work workplace violence problems in golden state but like it's not like he went for a haul he went for a 38 year old point guard that made the salary work right he was essentially salary dumped for chris paul who's like good but again like 38 and um he's he was in the 2005 draft like 18 seasons um it's the, the type of player that Ant is isn't in high demand. So I don't think you're getting back like two blue chippers and several draft picks. You can try because Ant's good. Like he's a good offensive player um, and he's 24 and he can get a lot better. He's going to be entering his prime. He's on a very reasonable contract for two more seasons. Like he's, it is, it is. Um, I don't think Ant would have no trade value. I just don't think you're going to, like I think what everyone says, this is what your, your friend says. They they've Your friend has sent you this in a text about a hundred times. Is just trade him for a star small forward. Cool. Make a list of the star small forwards in the league. You're just going to write them down, the guys who you consider star small forwards in the league, and then try to craft a trade in which the, that team would accept Amphrey Simons. Best of luck to you. Um, what you're going to have to do in this sort of trade ant scenario is find a team that really needs him. What are the Orlando Magic willing to give up? Well, not freaking Franz Wagner or whatever. So, like, what are you... Can you draft capital and 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 you know some sort of young young flyer type player what are you able to get for it that's like the type of team the magic specifically a team that could desperately use exactly what ant does and could cover for his deficiencies he would be a wonderful fit there so that's what it would be um or something like that something in in that vein i think that's the the logic is is that malcolm could fit decent with the young guards in a way that ant for every time is maybe doesn't um you're not sacrificing a whole bunch, although you are sacrificing some on offense, but you're hoping that you're building forward with the young core. And that Anthony Simons brings you more in a trade return than Malcolm would. So then you would be able to move forward better with the rebuild. Those are all logical reasons that I think the Blazers could follow. I think there's a there is a non-zero chance that they choose that path. I think it's pretty unlikely, but I think it's not for, for sure it's on the table um, or near the table. It is, it is aware that the table exists. That that trade idea is, is definitely like aware of these existence of the table itself I I like I said up front it's not what I would do because I just think they need to they need to hold on to talent um, until they can sort some other stuff out because I I think it's too early to totally punt on ants but the more I've watched them this season and the more I've watched this team this season I'm having trouble imagining that Amphrey Simons is a part of the next really good Blazers team. So part of me thinks and I I'm not there yet but I I am starting to to sort of um lean this way out of the vehicle is that they will at some point have to have to have to Trade Anfrey Simons. So if you get out in front and get the best deal now, it's no different than trading him later. I don't think I'm there yet, but I, like I said, I'm I'm getting the more I think about big picture stuff, and as the games, you know, there's 28 games left and they're not particularly meaningful, as the games, as the games matter less and the sort of like what the next version of the Blazers is matters more, I'm kind of I'm 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 finding myself more in that direction than I've ever been. Would I do this prioritize and prioritize Malcolm over Ant thing? No, I don't think I would. But um, I'm closer than I've ever been to sharing that sentiment. Okay, next question. Next. In the next segment, I want to answer questions about three things to watch down the stretch of the season. A question from Eric and Tiger, a listener to the program, who sent me this a while ago. And I got three things I'm definitely going to keep an eye on, including the Blazers' young wing core and DeAndre Ayton. Join me in that uh, second segment. And here's thing number three. But first, I want to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for you and right for what you need. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team for fast, faster and for free. For faster and for free! LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all of that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when there's that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. One day, 86% of the people who use small businesses who are using the service are getting a qualified candidate. LinkedIn knows that you're wearing so many hats when you run a small business and you might not have all the resources to hire. So they're constantly trying to make it easier for you. They've even launched a new pe- new feature that helps you write the job descriptions. There's over two and a half million small businesses that are using LinkedIn for hiring. So why not give it a try if you are a small business owner? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on That's linkedin.com slash locked on to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, still a pass first point guard. That's actually how we do it in the third segment. All right, let's let's keep it rolling on. <laughs> As I screw up, uh, let's keep it rolling into into our next mailbag question. This one comes from Eric and Tigard. Um, I'm loving the local radio style thing where you tell where you tell um, the host where you're from. Mike from North Portland answers your question, Eric and Tiger. What are three things to watch in the second half of the season uh down the stretch here? We're down to 28 games. The final third of the Blazers season begins on Friday against the champs, the Denver Nuggets. Um here are three things I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch Anthony Simons and Scoot Henderson both together and separate. Together because I'm not out on ant yet. Like I said in the first segment, I'm I'm I am I'm actually. It's not that I'm out on Ants as a basketball player. I am coming to the realization that the Blazers have a young guard duo that they've kind of selected to be the next thing and place some sort of organizational investment in them. And I am very skeptical that the next good version of the Blazers includes Anthony Simons on the roster. So I'm starting to lean in in a certain way, but I'm not out on Ants, and I'm not out on. I'm. I'm, And I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm hoping to see more and better things from Scoot. And it starts with them playing together a little bit. Um, I I think it's... uh, I I am skeptical of them being a good duo together. Uh, I just think you're giving up too much size. Scoot Henderson's not a small point guard, but he is just small for a basketball player. And every time he's a little bit undersized as a two. And moreover, he's just not strong enough to keep up with big wings in the league so he can get overpowered. And playing them together, you're going to be at a defensive deficit because... scoot in a full switching scheme is going to end up on dudes taller than him. And Simon's playing when he's not the smallest guy on the floor is a going to be hard for your defense. It is hard for them to play together, but it's the perfect time of year in these final 28 games to find out what you got, throw them in the pool. Find out what you got. I want to see them play together and see what it looks like. There are shades of, you know, recent production from both of them that that duo is not that big of an issue on offense. Now the Blazers have had some stinkers. Um, uh, <laughs> I've I've witnessed them, and the two games to close the break against Minnesota—that's the best defensive team in the league—and um, on the final of the second of the two games, it really looked like it, and it looked like the Blazers were playing the best defensive team in the league, and they were like, "Ooh, we we don't we are not going to be able to score against this this group." Um, I want to watch those two together, what that duo looks like, how they play, how they progress, because, like, I I am. I think the most likely scenario is that they're both on the roster in the fall. And if they're both on the roster in the fall, they're probably your starting guards in the fall. That's just kind of how it's going to have to work in terms of what the Blazers have, again, invested in both gentlemen. So them together and them separate. What does Ant continue to do? Does he, does he have a really strong close to the season? He had such an awesome December. He was like, you know, averaging 20 something, 25 plus a game and like, and on, on really good efficiency. And it was like, you know, if he puts another month, six weeks together, like he did in December, um, Yeah, eight weeks. I guess is the end of the season. Like, if if he does that, then it's like really does change the calculus a little bit. If he continues to kind of, you know, have some have some consistency issues and have some stinker nights, um, then that is an inf- information in and of itself and and scoot just has mostly been bad he's been really really solid the last 15 games but I, I i wouldn't even i would hesitate to use the g word i think he's just been like solid and productive totally fine as a rookie so part of the, what i want to watch is them together and then both of them separately both of them how they play when it's just them on the floor and what that looks like and the growth from both of those gentlemen because the the best version of Amfrey simons is a really good offensive player and we haven't seen the best version of scoot henderson i would love to see both of those gentlemen come come to the party in the final 28 games the second thing I want to see is consistency from DeAndre Ayton. Um you know he for the most for the first half of the season was the worst he has ever played in the NBA um, he's having the worst year of his career even as, including his rookie season just um you know low field goal temps and low field goal percentage not a lot of wasn't getting opportunities and wasn't cashing in opportunities when he had him um he started the year playing really hard on defense and then that kind of waned as the offensive production went away and then he got hurt um and then he came back from from injury he was had a kind of three kind of games to get his feet under him and then he took off and he had nine straight games where he was like oh DeAndre's good like he's he's just he's averaging 19 and 11 like and he's shooting 65% from the floor and it's like he's he's fine but nine games a season doesn't make. Um, you know, there's 71 others in, in that instance, uh, 73 others, excuse me, in that instance. So these final 28 games f- are important to see more of the good version of DeAndre Ayton. I think it took a long time for both the team and the coaching staff, and I, I put a lot of it on the coaching staff, figuring out how to, how to where, where DeAndre was going to be maximized and like how they were going to use him. Um, He's not a great fit with a non-shooting team. He's not a great fit with not without good, really good pick-and-roll operators. He needs kind of help getting the ball in his spots, and he's kind of a slow decision maker. So, not having a lot of space to make those those decisions is can be challenging for him as well. Um, as Scoot has improved, Da has found more comfort uh, playing more with Anthony Simons has has allowed has allowed him to find that comfort. Um, and just like familiarity with how the Blazers with what what he wants to do and how the coaching staff can kind of get him in his spots and his spots just seems to be his office is right in the middle of the paint he wants to or right in the middle of of the lane he wants to middle of the floor that's what I'm trying to say at the foul line he wants to stand at the foul line and operate at 15 from 9 to 15 feet and take low push shots and jumpers and the Blazers um they're figuring out how to use him in that spot, but I I, I want to see you know if there's 28 games left, I want to see 26 good games from Da. 26 good games. That's the thing I want to see, and 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 um, it, it's not it's not only production, but for the most part, for the most part, Da is someone who when he plays well, it shows up in the box score. Um, he's not a he's not like a little things guy. It's not like he's like, well, he really changed the angle of the screen in the third quarter and that changed the game. Like when he plays well, it usually shows up in the box score. It's like. He was 9 of 11 and had 22 points. Like, that, that's, for me, it's, um, for me, we'll see it. I think we'll see it, and I, and I think the consistency from DA is the number two thing I'm watching. And the third thing is, any of the young wings, the young quartet of wings, separating or differentiating themselves. Uh, the Blazers have four intriguing young wings. None of them are particularly good enough to be head and shoulders above the other in any category. Tumani Kamara is a good on-ball defender who's not very good on offense. Jabari Walker is an excellent rebounder. Uh, Matisse Thibel is a really good off-ball disruptor, but has kind of lost his shot in the year of 2024, and hopefully he recovers it because he is a pretty negative on offense without it. And Chris Murray is... um, a theoretical three and D wing who has not put it together. He's been pretty good on defense for a rookie. I've been surprised with how sort of physical and effective he is on defense, but um, the offense hasn't been there consistently. And it's not like he's like a lockdown defender. He's just like a solid, fun, fun, solid defensive player. Um, So what I really want to see, the third thing I want to see is any of those four guys, like, Sumani Kamara come in figuring out like how, how he's going to be better on offense. Is it cutting a little bit more off the ball? He's a good cutter. Um, is it becoming a screener? Chauncey Billups has used him in the last twice to open the last two games as a screener and then gone away from it. It's it is totally okay to use him as a screener in more than just the first play scripted out of the time out of um, the locker room. Maybe that's the way to unlock him a little bit. Like do some interesting stuff with him. Find how to use him on offense because being creative is going to be incredibly important to unlock what he does. Because he's not doesn't look like right now he's much of a shooter, but he's in he's an interesting enough defensive player that finding a way to use him on offense matters. Jabari Walker just hasn't put it together as a shooter yet. Um, he's a really good offensive player, or excuse me, really good rebounder and a really tough player. Like he plays physical, and I enjoy his his kind of oeuvre, but he's not good on offense. And so how he differentiates himself. Matisse Thybul just rediscover your jump shot, man. He's been shooting under 30% basically since Christmas, uh, right at 30% from three since Christmas. Uh, he's They need him to make threes. They really need him to make threes because he's just, if he's a 3 and D guy, he's, he's a really intriguing rotation player. And if he can't shoot, he is a guy who can't play in big moments. Um, and not like the Blazers are going to have big moments, but you want him to be... Part of when they're re- when you're when you want to win games, you want Matisse Thybulle to be on the court because he helps you win games, not because he's the best of the bad options. And and if Chris Murray just gets opportunities, I want to see him play more. Those are the three things I'm going to watch: Ant and Scoot, Da Da consistency for 28 straight games, and the wings differentiating and separating themselves. Um, let's let's come back in the third segment and talk about the Blazers TV situation. Um, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad, uh, but. It's only the it's only their fault and also the fault of the world and also the fault of Root Sports. Let's point the finger at everybody in the third segment. Uh join me there, won't you? At first, though, I want to tell you about FanDuel. Go get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel America's number one sports book because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. So go to FanDuel dot com slash locked on or download the app and and and, and on your way visit fanduel dot com slash locked on to download that very that very app um make a bet $5 on anything. Once you win that $5 bet, they're going to give you 150 bucks. It just shows up right there in your in your accounts, and you can use those bonus bets. When you're making a bet, hey, I want to use some of that bonus money to bet on whatever, you're, whatever you are want. Quick bets on any individual game, live same-game parlays, exclusive props right there in the app, and a ton more. Just visit fanduel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. Visit FanDuel, America, official sports book partner of the NFL and the NBA. Still a pass versus point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. This final mailbag questions comes from a friend of mine who did not ask this question intent intentionally to be on the program. In fact, um, I bet you're not listening, so you're not getting a shout-out. But uh, actually, I'll shout someone else out. I have another friend, Ian. I'm shouting you out, dog. Um, Ian complains that I don't shout don't shout him out on the program. Ian? This is your shout-out. Thanks for not asking this question, but spiritually, you're here with us in the third segment. Um, this question comes from an anonymous listener, anonymous non-listener, anonymous texter, who asked about the Blazers' TV ratings. There was a report that came out this week from the Sports Business Journal, (SBJ) that said the Blazers' local viewership numbers were down 49% year over year. That's not good. Ooh, 49% is a lot. That's like half. They've lost half their television viewers. You do not need to be a rocket surgeon to know why about half of your friends stopped watching the Blazer games. Damian Lewell got traded right before the season started. He's the best player of the of this century on the team. This may be the best player of all time. For my money, he's no worse than second. They lose an all-time great right before the season starts. They're bad they're 50 they're 15 and 39 like they're bad okay um your your casual friends don't want to tune in like you dear listener you want you'll watch you're you're a sicko right you're you're a super freak um like you're watching the games you have a problem and i love that you have a problem it's amazing It, it allows me to do this and i appreciate you i'm right there watching them with you but your friend in the group chat They don't want to watch a 15-39 and team that traded Damian Lillard. They don't want to watch them. It's boring as heck to them. They're over it. They're gone, baby. And it's hard to watch them. It is extremely hard to watch them. you got to either pay a bunch of money that is uh, to the point where it's prohibitively expensive for some folks in the community to even watch the games, right? They literally cannot afford to watch them. It's too much money beyond a reasonable budget for them. Or it's... um, it's just like blacked out in their area. Okay. We, I live in an area that literally doesn't have cable TV. Um, so I can only watch on direct TV Well, it's only on direct TV stream. Well, I don't have enough, like it's, there's, I don't have enough bandwidth to get there. Right. Um, the, the blazers, cable coverage network expands to like Spokane it expands to I believe into Anchorage like it's it's big right and the Blazers chose this that means there's a massive blackout for team for for a a community that can't watch games on League Pass which is it's just so stupid it's so stupid that you um it's easier to live further away and watch the games on TV than it is to live in town um this is a problem for everybody right I I I, want to I want to talk about blame here um Root Sports got jobbed, right? They were on. They were. They. They have a very small distribution um, circle. Nobody wants to buy Root Sports because nobody wants to buy. No. No large providers want to pay for to to distribute Kraken games and and Mariners games and Blazer games. That's an extremely niche audience, right? It's an Extremely niche audience. There's there is just not enough there. Why would YouTube TV and Hulu want to pay for that for that extremely niche audience, right? Um, it's happening everywhere. Regional sports networks are dying. It's killing baseball. It's gonna, it's gonna completely change the way we watch sports over the next five years. That that problem is not unique to the Blazers. It's not unique to Root Sports. It's a problem everywhere. Um, but the but it's like factual that Root Sports is um, has invested very little money in 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 uh, in broadcasting Blazer games. They basically have no content other than putting the games on t- on on your television, and and they they just don't have they don't have many uh partners in terms of distribution so it, it's is only Comcast, and right at when the season started, Comcast bumped Root Sports up from the basic tier to the premium tier, which costs folks somewhere between, um, from from what I've heard anecdotally, somewhere between ten and about thirty five dollars a month. Um, I've heard some people who have been able to get find deals where, hey, I get it for free for the season. But that's like if you're willing to go through jump through the hoops of of customer service. If you're willing to do that, you're you're smart, right? I'm proud of you. That's my, that's my millennial brethren right there and sistren who have been. Who've been willing to fight the good fight uh, with uh, with customer service representatives to get to get the deal they want? But like, for most people, it's just more expensive. Just more naturally more expensive. That's a problem, right? That that sucks. That that Root Sports had that happen to them, and the Blazers can't avoid that, right? There's nothing they can do once they signed the contract. They can't breach the contract. That's just that's a whole can of worms that nobody wants to get into with a legal battle and all of those things. That wouldn't even you might not even be able to win the legal battle in time to remove your television from the network, right? Um, once they signed the contract, they were screwed. Once Root Sports didn't have much distribution, Comcast had them squeezed. They could move them around. What was Root going to do? Take it somewhere else? Nobody wants it. That's a, that's a problem. But the Blazers aren't, they, they deserve blame here. It's, it would be silly to say, well, (laughs) I mean, there's nothing you can do. How the the Blazers going to fix it? They signed this deal. They didn't have to do this. They had a deal with Comcast. They didn't want to do business with Comcast. They didn't like the the Comcast. They didn't like the setup with Comcast. Uh, Full disclosure, I used to work for Comcast Sportsnet in a part-time position, Uh, but like, I wasn't like in the room making any decisions, but the Blazers didn't want to deal with Comcast anymore. They were over it. They wanted to move, move out of that partnership and they chose to do so. And when they chose to do so, they prioritized getting in more homes, like selling the idea that they were in more homes based on the cable distribution size of the area, right? Like I think they expand all the way into Idaho and maybe into Montana. Like they're deep, right? It's deep East um, and, and North to Alaska, right? Like you know, north of Seattle is in the Blazers' territory. Four and a half hours from the city, and you're in the Blazers' uh, broadcast territory. You can't watch them on League Pass. It's it's outrageous. The Blazers chose that deal when they had a deal with Comcast for all of its problems. Distributed on YouTube TV, distributed on Hulu, um, like available on cable providers. Like had a, a variety of viewing options. Right now, there's there's not a variety of viewing options. Nobody wants root. It's only available on Fubo and on Comcast. So you have to have a cable have to have a cable subscription, or you pay for Fubo. And from what I understand, Fubo is not a particularly good service. Uh, the Blazers had some tried some other sort of experimental things, but one of the things they tried was Ivaca, which was a television like streaming service that sent you a new antenna to your home and folded within a half a season being on the air. The Blazers deserve some blame for getting into this deal. Everybody does. It is a reality that regional sports networks are dying. It is a reality that Root Sports hasn't invested very much in the Blazers broadcast. And it's a reality that the Portland Trail Blazers themselves chose this path. You don't got to choose. That's why you were given this many fingers. Many of us with 10, depending on how you count your thumbs. Point all of them. You got several digits point them at everybody everybody you did it you did it you did it you did it. You don't got to choose everybody screwed up in this one and it's just um it doesn't it's not like you know i am certain that blazers ownership when they see this and say 49 percent decrease woof, we knew it was gonna be bad but it's not this we didn't think it was gonna be this bad i'm sure they don't like it i'm sure they don't like how empty the stadium is i know that the blazers have only decreased like a little bit in terms of uh, announced attendance but if you go to the games um they're being generous with the announced attendance. Uh, it's uh, The numbers are slightly inflated. I'll, I'll put it like that. Um, I think the curious thing that comes out of this is with fewer people in the seats, significantly fewer. I think it's according to KG, the reports from KGW. Shout out to the good people at KGW. Uh, the decrease in attendance is, is is less than 5%, right? It's a very It's nominal year over year. That's announced attendance. It's worse. Like I've been in the gym. It's worse than that. I don't know how much worse. Eight percent, twelve percent. But it's worse. Like there's 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 significantly less people. Um, just just anecdotally year over year, and um, not you know not, not if you if you don't have eyeballs, you're selling less valuable ads. Having less valuable ads means you're getting less money. The it, all of it t- is a business. At some point, the business people are going to get worried. I think the interesting thing about whatever happens with this is how the Blazers handle it from here. They can't really get out of the TV deal. They're in it for next year, and then they'll be able to get out, um, and and I'm they're certainly not going to go back to root sports. Um, so like th- something else is coming. I would assume that something else is over the air television. That's what the, a bunch of teams around the league have done is free over the air, free over the air broadcast. So you can just, um, it'll just be available to you without, uh, without special services. If you live in the area, you just, just tune your TV and you'll be able to watch him. But we're a ways away from that. We're like a, 100 games away from that, a little more, 110 games away from getting there. Uh, assuming the Blazers don't make the playoffs, then we're 104 games. That's right, haters. Um, so, I think the interesting thing is: do, do the Blazers pretty clearly losing money on this? does that impact some of their decisions moving forward? It's not like they're going to be a tax team next year. It's not going to be a big spending team. I, it's not the salaries to keep an eye on. It's the ancillary stuff. Um, it'll take a little more sleuthing to figure out if they cut corners. Um, there's no reason that they would need to, but you know, when, te- when teams lose money, um, things happen. So keep an eye out for that type of thing. Otherwise, like, I don't know, keep watching the games. They're, they'll be pretty fun. And we'll talk about them here on the podcast. Uh, I, I think it's in in large part, again, like not a surprise that fewer people are attending and watching the games Um, it's just how we got here is a mistake by um the team the network and the sort of slow chokehold of capitalism against regional sports networks all right that's going to do it for today's show tomorrow's show um i can't even okay it's probably going to be an interview that you really were going to want to watch and going to be a bunch of fun but i haven't confirmed it as of record time so i'll just say this like this is a good tease Please, please come back because it's probably going to be a kick-ass show that you're going to love. Um, and if it's not an interview, I'll still do a really good job because I I try to do my best here. Five days a week, Revy Get Podcast also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.